Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. It had been years since Daniel had dealt with Nebuchadnezzar. Now dead, there was a new king in town. Now Daniel had literally spent his lifetime being faithful to God and was well respected for it. Could he remain faithful when again his very life was threatened? We'll find out tonight when Dr. Corbett opens Daniel chapter 6 in the Old Testament and we find ourselves in the lion's den. Let's join him now for Daniel's responsibility. We're going to be having a look, just going to give you a brief overview of Daniel chapter 5 and then we're actually largely in Daniel chapter 6. This is our fifth in the series on the book of Daniel and Daniel was a young boy as we've seen growing up in Jerusalem when Jeremiah the prophet was preaching on the streets and in the temple courtyard of Jerusalem and Daniel as a young boy five six seven eight years of age would have heard this not that much older than him maybe someone who was 17 18 19 years of age prophet preaching to the leaders the king the the people of of the city of Jerusalem telling them that they needed to get their life right with God and Daniel had a great role model in Jeremiah so that when Daniel himself 10 years later was 15 years of age he was taken into captivity by the Babylonians and so Nebuchadnezzar took uh, Daniel and also uh, probably around about 10,000 people in that first exile to Babylon and so Daniel is a very young man should we say boy say young man I like to think of a 15 year old as a young man rather than a boy and here he is without parents without rabbis priests or anyone looking over him watching him he decides of his own heart that he's going to be faithful to God and this is a wonderful chapter a couple of chapters that we're about to see chapter 5 really sets it up because if I could just give you the just what happens in chapter 5 you you may be familiar with the story and I and my apologies if you're not I, I just for the sake of time and what I what I really want to concentrate on is chapter 6 but it's going to help you to understand if you get the background of chapter 5 and that is we are now some four decades after Daniel has had anything to do with Nebuchadnezzar. So we, we've gone from Daniel being 15 years of age in chapter 1 to being maybe 20 or so, 25 maybe years of age in chapter 2. We then have Daniel in uh, chapter 3 and 4. In fact, he doesn't appear in chapter uh, three he his friends are mentioned there but in chapter four Daniel may have been may have been in his 30s when he's dealing with Nebuchadnezzar and so at least four decades have gone by so Daniel if we're conservative is early 60s somewhere in his 60s possibly in his 70s now and we have in chapter five this scene where Belshazzar sounds like Daniel's name the name Daniel was given as Belteshazzar and we've seen that that word Bel is actually one of the main deities in Babylon it was a false god and so Daniel's name had been changed by Nebuchadnezzar to Belteshazzar interestingly when 
King Nebuchadnezzar encounters the one true God, he changes Daniel's name back to Daniel. He, he refers to Belteshazzar, whose name is Daniel, <laughs> which is a, just, a, just, it just slips in there in the narrative and you realize what's going on there when you realize that Nebuchadnezzar has encountered God and surrendered to God, which is why, by the way, in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar is depicted among the world emperors as having the head of gold. Gold, that priceless, precious metal. And here he is, the head of this beginning of empires. And of course, in, in chapter 2, Daniel says, you, you saw the statue head of gold. Then you saw the chest of uh, bronze and that, uh, silver. Sorry, And that's, that's the Medo-Persian Empire, he tells Nebuchadnezzar. All right, so that's on the public record for four decades that the next world empire after the Babylonians would be the Medo-Persian Empire. And so King Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, and we know, we know he's a grandson largely because of the time that's elapsed. But just as a side point, I want you to notice when you're reading Daniel chapter 5, you read this expression, the, the queen is actually the queen mother. In other words, Belshazzar, at least Belshazzar's mother. And, and the queen is probably either the daughter-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar or daughter. So what we've got is this expression, mother and father, that's used, or queen. Or... But this expression, father, and this is tricky for us in our Western mindset because we actually have different ways of describing someone as a father. We say father, and then if we want to refer to our father's father, we call them grandfather. What is it in Dutch, Nathan? Opa. Opa. And we can just keep going. We just add the word great. But they didn't do that in this Aramaic, Middle Eastern, Oriental culture. They just said father. So if you wanted to refer to your great, 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 grandfather you would say my father abraham and we read that of the jews don't we in john chapter 8 they're saying our father abraham da 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 and of course there's so many greats we we couldn't possibly count them but this is just by the way so when you're reading through the biblical genealogies and you read such and such was the father of such and such just be aware it may mean they were the great 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 or Great, I was going to go back in the Dutch there, but I thought, no, better of it. Uh, grandfather. And it may not mean that it's, that it's there. Just by the way, now, so chapter 5, we have Belshazzar, the grandson, at least grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, who does something incredibly wicked. He takes the sacred objects of the temple from Jerusalem that they've taken with these exiles, and he brings them out and treats them as common he pours wine into it and he offers the wine around. And, and th this is something that, again, in our modern world, we don't have a lot that's sacred. I think Australia's most sacred day is April 25th. But I remember growing up where it wasn't, there was actually a lot of mixed emotions about April 25th. That's changed now. Young people, you are growing up with a reverence, with a respect for April 25th. Kids my age growing up, it was just Anzac Day. It was Now it's Anzac Day. And now there's, there's, you go to the dawn service in town and there's 
often hundreds of primary school kids up at 5.30 in the morning at the dawn service. It's, it's, it's very somber. And it's quite a much. As far as I know, that's the closest thing in Australian culture we have to this word sacred. It's almost become a sacred day. And woe betide anybody who does something on that day to the memorial during that service. It would, it would be ugly for them. And if you can take that and put it into this context where you have Belshazzar taking these cups and these plates and these things that were dedicated to God, they were made of gold and they were meant to be just for God and just for his service, not to be trifled with. And there he is treating it as if they were nothing. And then suddenly a hand appears on the wall. And you know the expression, oh, the handwriting's on the wall. Well, this is where it comes from, Daniel chapter 5, where it's, what is it? Um, uh, mene, mene, tekel, parson. And it's a chilling thing. And no one can read it. Daniel can read it. Presumably it was written in Hebrew. And he reads it and he, he understands exactly what it's about. And he says from uh, chapter 5, verses 24 to 28... Uh, gives the interpretation of it. You've been weighed in the balance or balances and found wanting. And here we have uh, just the most bizarre scene where Belshazzar says, oh, thank you for, for clearing that up. I'll make you the prime minister of Babylon now. And Daniel probably was scratching his head saying, I just told you you're going to die tonight. This is bizarre. I just find this utterly bizarre. That here's someone trifling with sacred things, something predictable happens, and then they still don't get what they've done. That is just mad. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. So Daniel's told him that. As the king says, put purple robes on him, the chain of gold around his neck, make him prime minister. Daniel's like, did you just hear what I said? And as he leaves there, the Chaldeans literally break into the palace and kill this guy. And it's just summed up in that verse. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And why do they point out that he was the Chaldean king? Because that's it. That's the end of Nebuchadnezzar's empire. That's, the, that's it. The Chaldean, which is another way of saying Babylonian, it's over. It's finished. The, that empire finished right there. So Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the one who said there is one true God, you come down to the second, now third generation, his grandson and his grandson. Can I just point out, you cannot be a grandchild of God. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. And if you're riding on the hope that, well, my parents were Christian or my grandparents were Christian, therefore me and God will be tight. You are deluding yourself. And I love you, by the way. Now, because I thought that sounded harsh, and it is, it's meant to wake you up a bit. Verse 31, it says this, and it's an interesting verse, because if I was thinking, I know God doesn't waste verses in the Bible. There's not a wasted verse in the Bible. And, and you have to think, why is this verse there? And it says this, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. Now, that's about all I really need to know, but that's not all it tells me. Look at this next part of the verse being about 62 years old why on earth are we being told how we didn't know how old belshazzar was we don't know how old daniel is we don't we didn't know how old nebuchadnezzar was why are we told that darius the mede 
was 62 years of age. I think we're about to have a contrast. I wonder if Daniel was at least 62, maybe not even 62. So he's in his early 60s. We know that at least. Here's a man who's lived all his life as a soldier, as a, as a warring soldier conquering foreign lands, who's now in partnership with essentially his adopted son. His adopted son was more or less Cyrus, uh, who was a Persian. Today, Persia is what we consider to be more or less Iran. So here we have this, this strange verse. He was 62 years of age. So here's the background. At least four decades have passed since Daniel dealt with Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel is himself at least in his early 60s. And so what, what are we going to see here? We've seen Daniel has been brought out by Belshazzar, he, he still hears from God. He's still faithful to God. The queen, which is probably the mother of Belshazzar, probably the, at least the daughter or daughter-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar, describes Daniel like this. He is full of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I tell you what, when I'm 62 and you, in my name, if it should, which it probably wouldn't ever, but if it did come up in conversation with you and someone else, and the description, oh, Andrew Corbett, he's full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wrapped. Here's Daniel being spoken of. Here's Daniel, 62 years of age at least, full of the Holy Spirit. What does that tell you about Daniel? What does that tell you about what he's been doing over the last 40 years? That in his 60s, he's known as a man who is full of the spirit of the holy God. That's, what, that's exactly what she said of him. Daniel has spent his life. He spent a whole lifetime being faithful to God. So do I. I want to be faithful to God. I'm, can I just... I'm sick of people who have a flash-in-the-pan religious conversion and then they just peter off. Don't do that. And, and for those people who think, well, when I was younger, I really loved Jesus, but now I'm mature. As if there's a difference. You know, when I was younger, I was so passionate for Jesus. Now I'm older and wiser. No, you're older and wiser and colder. Let's not be like that. Here's Daniel, someone who loved God with all his heart. And we know that into his 70s, we know this, and into his 80s, because in chapter 9, he's now pretty close to 80 plus, because if he was 15 when he was taken into captivity, he said 70 years have elapsed. That makes him at least 85. And we know at 85 years of age in Daniel chapter 9, he is still studying the Bible every day. Wow. When just by the way, when my my hero F.W. Borum was 84, he had read the Bible through cover to cover literally thousands of times and he writes this and he, he says it's almost with regret now that I tell you I I'm approaching the Bible as if I've been here many times. I must do something to renew my soul. So he read all six volumes of Matthew Henry's Bible commentary over a period of months. 
to restore his soul. Each of these volumes, by the way, are that thick. I went, I went to Melbourne University a few months ago and, and took a photo of it because they were found as this, again, refreshed his soul. Tell you what, when I'm 84, I hope my hunger for God measures up to something like that because Daniel's was. And here he is, a lifetime of faithfulness to God, reflecting this faithfulness in all areas of his life. What does that mean? I've met people who say, I'm a, I'm a Christian and, and, and I have to read my Bible and I have to pray. I've met people like that and good on you. That's, that's wonderful. Therefore, and, and I've had employers tell me this, that I've, I've, I've employed some Christians that will take an extra five or ten minutes at smoko or ten or fifteen minutes at lunch break because supposedly they're reading their Bible instead of getting back to work. Can I tell you, you, you might as well not read your Bible because of the poor witness that is. Daniel was not someone who took an extra five or ten minutes when he shouldn't have to do this. He made the time to do it. And this is another thing. If I said this at a women's conference, I would expect a standing ovation, probably rose petals and stuff. But anyway, this is how it goes. It'd be like this. Daniel was not someone who was full of good intentions. Daniel was a man who actually knew how to get things done. <laughs> you, you can see how I could whip up a women's conference, couldn't you? It's like, no, yeah, I'm struggling myself. Anyway, <clears throat> So Daniel carried responsibility well. Now that shouldn't be a shocking statement. That shouldn't be, wow, he's an exception. It shouldn't be that way. Men are created to bear responsibility. Let me repeat that because I don't think anyone heard me. Men are created and ordained by God to bear responsibility. And when you have a situation where it seems like a, a wife becomes a dominating wife, I, I can almost guarantee you I know what's going on there. Her husband has not stepped up. You know what it's like to be a man who bears responsibility? It's difficult. And I've discovered this. There are men who, when faced with difficulty, they buckle. Can I tell you, men, man up. You're all looking at me like, I love you, Pastor. This is awesome. Just keep going. Keep beating me to a pulp. I love this. I'm not trying to beat you to a pulp. I'm trying to challenge you. Men, accept responsibility. You know what what responsibility feels like? It feels like you carry an extra load that's not yours. In the Bible, if we had the time, we would look at the fact that the Bible says there are certain men that sat at the gate of the city. Not only were they concerned with their family and feeding their wife and children, they were concerned about what happened in the whole city as well. That's a load. That's responsibility. Daniel carried responsibility. Let's have a look at this in chapter 6, verse 3. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, you're probably going to wear it out as we go through this chapter. So let's have a look at this. Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, uh, these are government officials, because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel is someone who carried responsibility. Men, it's hard. It means you've got to get out of bed sometimes. It's hard. You've got to stay up late sometimes. You've got to work faster sometimes. You've got to think 
more. You've got to do. Th- you've also got to be careful what you say more than you should. You need to be able to be someone who speaks encouragement and hope to your family and those that you're caring for and carrying in responsibility, even when you yourself on the inside have no idea how this is going to work out. Be a man. This is what men do. And Daniel did it well. He was distinguished, it said, and he had a spirit of excellence. Now, he was responsible to be faithful to God. And if you get anything, get this. Daniel didn't see his faithfulness to God, his devotion to God, as what he did between the hours of 10 and 12 on the Sabbath. Daniel saw his faithfulness to God as something that he did in every arena of his life. He saw his devotion to God as something that he could not let slip. He bore responsibility for his own depth with God. He carried that. Oh, oh, I've had over the years, I've had people say to me, oh, pastor, I'm just not many, but I've had some. Pastor, I'm not growing. I just don't think I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting much feeding here. And, uh, and I'm thinking, What? And then you realize, hang on a minute, you're here about once a month. I don't really see you bring your Bible often. Are you reading your Bible regularly? No, I want the church to feed me. What? What? <laughs> I want people to recognize that, you, that especially men, you bear responsibility to, for your own relationship with God. It means also as a dad, I'm responsible to help my children have a God-focused life. We have four mostly good children. And it didn't happen by accident. It happened because something was inputted into their lives. And dads, you bear the bulk of that responsibility. And I know that there are dads going, no, I don't, not, hey, that's my wife's job. Step up. Please, step up. Daniel did this day in, day out. Now, this applies to men and women. Then the, this is verse 4, the next verse. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because why? Look at this. He was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Wow. This is a man who's lived a lifetime of service and faithfulness to God. But not just in the way he worshipped on a Sabbath, but in his work, in everything he was responsible to, in the administration of his job, he saw it as worship to God. Daniel was also faithful to God when opposed. In the face of persecution, how do you respond? Daniel was also faithful in the midst of pressure. And if I was to ask you if you knew anything about Daniel chapter 6, what's it about? Hopefully you would tell me it's about Daniel in the lion's den. And you would be absolutely right, it is. It's about Daniel in the lion's den. And see, Daniel was faithful in the midst of pressure. I don't know if you being thrown into a den crammed full of about 40 hungry lions that haven't been fed for about three weeks would be a time of pressure for you. I've seen, Karen talked about artists' depictions of Christ as he's kind of there with his, you know, blow wave hair on the cross just kind of hanging there. Just, hey, how's it? You know, like, what? And I've seen pictures of Daniel in the lion's den with three little lion cubs, like, here, kitty, kitty. It's like, you get, you, you know, from the text, we read after that when Daniel was saved by the angel, that 
Darius the Mede then put those who slandered him, before they even hit the ground, they were consumed. That's not three little lion cubs. So let's get the picture here. Sometimes life can feel like you're about to be devoured. And this is the pressure that Daniel was faithful in the midst of. Verse 16, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And he did. You know the story. When Darius the Mede came back, he was protected and and he tells Darius, my God sent an angel. Now, what's happened here to Daniel? He's been faithful. Over the years, he's been faithful. That's a witness. How is he faithful over the years? You see, the problem with me saying that is you hear the word years and you think that was a faithful year. But you know what a faithful year is made out of, made up of? It tells us in the text, three, verse 10, three times a day, Daniel prayed. When, when the king passed the decree, no one shall worship any other God apart from me. It says this, verse 10, talk about gutsy. This is one of the gutsiest verses in the Bible. It says this, Daniel went to his upper room, opened the window and knelt down right in front of the window where everybody on the street could see him and pray to God. That's gutsy. That's a man standing up doing the right thing. Here's a question. When Daniel's doing that, who's he hurting? Who is he insulting? Who is he mocking? Who is he ridiculing? Who is he a bigot toward? Who is he intolerant of? Who is he exercising hate speech toward? Answer, no one. He's not doing any of that. Yet look at the irrational response that he gets from people who hate him and they hate his God. It's utterly irrational. And in the midst of this threat, anyone who prays to any other God will be thrown to the lions. Daniel goes up to his room three times a day. It says he took three breaks through the day. He opens his windows. Everyone on the street below could see him. And they saw him. And because they report to the king, we've seen him pray over every day this week, three times a day, exactly the same time. What does that tell you about Daniel? He was faithful, little things, day by day, day by day, day by day. I can tell what kind of life you live with christ if i just followed you for a day i reckon i'd figure it out daniel did it every day you know when you get in your car on a sunday morning to come to church do you realize you're a witness i've had this i've had our neighbors they know they notice your life and the way you live it is being watched by the world the world is watching your faithfulness to god And this is what we need, because in this story, Daniel is faithful in the midst of intense pressure. And he bears that responsibility to be faithful gladly. When Daniel prays three times a day to God, the God who made heaven and earth, and he worships this God, and he's got a smile on his face as he worships, he tells the world who God's like. He tells the world, you may have a bad experience with what you think is God, but let me tell you, he's a God of limitless power. He's a God of limitless love, and I adore him. You see, for the last 40 years, Daniel hasn't had a friend. His three closest friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were sent out to the provinces, to, and they were made governors. They were promoted. Good on them. Snaps for you. Off you go. But he hasn't got a... 40 years, he hasn't had a friend. Not only hasn't he had a friend... He's had persecution. He's had trial. He's had adversity. 
What would that do for your relationship with God? For Daniel, it drove him to his knees three times a day with a smile on his face. God, I'm back. I love you. I worship you. I adore you. I pray for these people down there who are looking at me right now. I pray that you open their eyes. I pray you forgive their sin and heal their heart. And didn't Jesus do that from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we need younger men who will start off well and keep going. But I tell you what, we need older men who will show younger men what a lifetime of faithfulness to God looks like. Not one where you say, back when I was excited about God, back in the days when I was excited about the Bible, back in the days when I was so full of God, I could I could hardly contain what God was doing in my life. I remember those days. It was about 50 years ago, if I remember. I hope it's not 50 years ago. I hope for you it's 50 seconds ago. And you're rekindling it every day afresh. Older men, step up. We need you to show us what it's like to live a life of faithfulness to God. Perhaps you don't know this God of limitless love and limitless power. Perhaps you're carrying an ache in your heart that you know no drug, no doctor, no counsellor can deal with. There is hope. Daniel was responsible to be faithful to God, and he was, day in, day out, even amidst persecution. Can you say the same thing about your own life? Do we realise that the world is watching our faithfulness to God? More from Dr Corbett next week with Daniel's response. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Daniel's Responsibility, are available from the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. Updates and special offers are also available on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We invite you to join us again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.